0: I'm curious how many people here like roller coasters. Oh, Nicole, you like roller coasters, huh? Well, it may not be much of a surprise to some of you, but I am not a roller coaster person. Um, That high adrenaline, the little bit scariness, like that really freaks me out. And it's funny because I'm married to a man who really likes those kinds of things and likes the adrenaline. But I I was... Thinking, reminiscing back, um, this week. And I remember when I was in college, I went, I think it was Six Flags. I was in Texas and was one of my first experiences as roller coasters. And I had went, gone with, with friends and I, I kind of geared myself up. I was talking to myself, Sarah, you can do this. You can do these roller coasters. And so there was one, I think it was a wooden roller coaster because it was kind of, shaky a little bit. And so I finally talk myself into getting in line. I'm nervous, like crazy. I'm like, my stomach is just like butterflies. I feel a little hot and a bit nauseous, but I'm like, I'm gonna do this roller coaster. And so we get on it and um, like many roller co- coasters, the first like little bit is real slow and it's like gearing you up to go up the up to the high point, and then the roller coaster, you know, drops, and, and you go. And I'm just so nervous. I'm holding on for dear life as we're trucking along just super slow. And then as I'm almost to the top, the roller coaster stops, and we just wait there. Well, what feels like forever, it might have just been a couple of minutes, it probably wasn't that long, but it was long enough for me to have a whole lot of conversation with myself and I realized how little control. I had sitting up there on that roller coaster. And then all the questions. Why are we stopped? Is something wrong? What do we do? What do I do if? And all the what ifs came to mind. And then I just got mad at myself because I'm like, Sarah, you paid to be here. You paid to be in this situation. Um in the end, the roller coaster kept going, and I was fine. There, there was a little bit of screaming, or maybe a lot of screaming, but I was totally fine. You know, I love the expression or the, the metaphor, um, life is like a roller coaster, because doesn't it feel that way, up and down, and sometimes, or a lot of times, things happen that we have absolutely no control over, Today we're going to continue in our series in Moses and we're going to be looking at, um, continue to look at the, the narrative of God calling Moses through the burning bush. We're going to be in Exodus four. You know, God appears to Moses in this burning bush and he says, Hey, Moses, I'm going to send you back to Egypt and I'm going to rescue my people. And if you remember from last week, Moses asked, who am I, God, to do this? Like me? You're going to send me back to do this? And God's response to Moses is, I will be with you. I imagine this was one of those roller coaster moments in Moses's life. So we're going to continue that story today. We'll be in Exodus chapter four, starting in verse one. Moses answered, what if, I love the what if questions, but but God, it doesn't say but, but what if, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? The what if questions. Yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying, God, but what if they don't believe me or listen to me. That's a lot like the question. But what will people think? And that's probably a question that most of us ask fairly regularly. Hey, well, what will people think? I remember when the girls were little, um, they would come home and sometimes they'd have you know these little little spats with their friends on on the recess ground, and and so they would come home upset, and we would talk about. Talk about what happened and how they responded. And often we would role play. Okay, so if this happens again, what? how could you respond? What could you say? And I remember one time um, one of them was like, but mom, what if that doesn't work? <laughs> what if they laugh at me? Or what if they think, you know, they think bad of me. And I think this question is similar for Moses. He says, What if they do not believe me? What if they do not listen to me and say, No, God didn't really say those things to you. Here God's reply to Moses, starting in verse two. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. That would be my, also, my reaction. I do not like snakes. I grew up in Africa, and there are a lot of snakes there. I have a lot of snake stories. He, it became a snake, and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. I'm glad this is Moses again and not me. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hands. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hands inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Think about the emotional shock, (laughs) seeing your hand there. It was white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. The water you take from the river will will become blood on the ground. So Moses asked this question to God, what if they don't believe me? And God's response to Moses is, hey, here are some of the things that I can do. Here are some of the things. Take your staff, throw it down. It becomes a snake. Pick it back up with the hand. Put it in your cloak. It's leprous, and then take it out, and it's healthy again. These are the signs that God gave to Moses to help convince people that he was indeed God and could accomplish what he uh, meant to accomplish. Yet I also wonder if these signs were in part meant for Moses. Hey, Moses, see what I can do. I can turn your staff into a snake. Your own hand, I can make leprous and then restore it. God is building up Moses' trust and confidence in God's power and ability. And then the third miracle God gives to Moses, he doesn't actually perform in this moment. He just tells Moses about it. He says, take the Nile water and Pour it onto the ground and it will become blood. And this is a really significant miracle uh, because it begins to, to it begins the narrative of God fighting against the Egyptian gods, gods with a lower G. Of God demonstrating his power over all the Egyptian gods. So the Nile was a really big part of Egypt. It um, provided water, which was life to to the population around it, and it was also very fertile. So when, when the Nile flooded, it brought this fertile soil, and that's how they were able to grow their crops. And so the Nile was really important to the Egyptians, and they had a god they called Hapi, and this was the Nile god. And so when the river flooded and brought all this fertile soil, they would celebrate and they would praise and worship this Nile God. We'll continue the story in future weeks and read about the plagues that God uses to demonstrate his power over the Egyptian gods and to demonstrate that he is the one true God. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, God will say, I will bring judgment On all the gods of Egypt, I am the Lord. And so God gives Moses these three miracles to his question, What if they don't believe me? And then the story continues, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. (laughs) Moses is trying to be so polite. He knows he's not supposed to go here, but he's going to go there. So he says, Pardon your servant, Lord. But I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them bl- or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will t- teach you what to say. So Moses' next concern that he brings to God, he's like, I can't do the public speaking thing. <laughs> I wonder if any of us can relate to that. I was, I was looking up just online, like the fear of public speaking and I saw multiple articles that estimated that in the United States, 75% of us have a fear of public um, speaking. And symptoms include like nausea and trembling and shaking and, and freezing and like, all these physical symptoms because we're so anxious about public speaking. So this isn't new. Moses says, I don't, I don't think I can do the public speaking thing. And God's response to Moses is, is beautiful. He's like, who, who made you? Who gives you the ability to speak? And he says, I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. So God's response to him is very patient. (laughs) <laughs> and he says, "I got you on this. Follow me and I will teach you what to say." And then we go back to Moses verse 13. But Moses said, "Pardon your servant, Lord." Again, starts off with that. "Please forgive me." <laughs> when you say please forgive me before you say or do what you're asking for forgiveness for, I mean, that's so that's so us. That's so human. <laughs> Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Please, you got to at least admire Moses' honesty here. After all his concerns or excuses or rebuttals, whatever you want to call them, after he presents them to God and God says, Nope, I got all that taken care of, I, I imagine him just this big sigh, oh, God, can you just please send someone else? He just didn't want to be that person. And sometimes we read this story and we're like, come on, Moses, have a little faith, have a little trust in God. And yet, as I, as I read this story, I can't help but empathize with Moses. This is going to be a hard thing that what God is asking of him is going to cost him. It's going to cost him because he's going to have to uproot his life in Midian, where he's been the last 40 years. He's going to have to face his past. He's going to have to go back to the land to which he was born, a Hebrew slave, and then raised in the Pharaoh's household. He's going to go talk to the Pharaoh himself. I mean, think about how hard that would be for Moses and God's plan is for Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, one of the most powerful empires of this time. And Moses is like, I'm one person. I Think about how impossible this task was for Moses. This one person going to lead the people out of this Egyptian empire. God is asking Moses to take a great risk and to do something there is no way Moses can accomplish on his own. And as God asks him to do this, he says, trust me, I will go with you, I will teach you what to say, and I will accomplish this. This is a big ask. God is not shy about asking his people to do big things. And yet when God asks, when God calls people, he also equips them. He also goes with them and gives them what they need. Moses here is having a real hard time processing this request and trusting God. And so he says, God, please just send someone else. Verse 14 Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. God had already foreseen this. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Moses says, please send someone else, and God is, God is angry with Moses angry that Moses doesn't trust him enough to just go. And yet even in God's anger and his frustration with Moses, he accommodates for Moses' concern. He accommodates for Moses' doubts and lack of trust. And he says, even in this, I got you. Your brother is already on his way. He can go with you. And I love the the last part of verse 15. God says, I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to do. Even in Moses' struggle to trust, God remains faithful. And in the end, Moses will accept God's calling and will obey. Jumping down... Uh, to verse 29 in the same chapter. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. And so Moses We'll accept God's call and we'll go back to Egypt. And so begins the story of the Exodus. God working powerfully to bring his people out of Egypt by publicly defeating the gods of Egypt. So this is our text for the day. I want to zoom out a little bit. And just talk about God and Moses' interaction. The conversation that they had that went back and forth. This miraculous event of this burning bush that kept burning and yet it wasn't consumed. And God speaking audibly to Moses. And telling Moses God's plan that I have seen the Israelites. I'm going to bring them out. And then God commissioning Moses to be his agent, to physically go and lead the people out of Egypt. Moses' concern started off with, last week, who am I? And remember, God's response to Moses was, I will be with you. So who am I, he asks, and God says, I will be with you. His second concern that he presents to God is, well, what if they don't listen or believe me? And God gives him three miraculous signs. The staff turning into a snake and then back, the leprous hand, and then the, the water, river water turning to blood. Moses' third concern, but God, I'm slow of speech and tongue. I can't do the public speaking thing. And God says, I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. And then his last concern, or maybe we should call it just request, please just send someone else. And God says, hey, I'll give you a partner. Aaron can go with you, and I will help both of you speak, and I will teach both of you what to do. So I was reflecting on this story and thinking about, so what about us today? What is it that we can glean from this text you know, last week, we ended the sermon with um, reading a few scriptures of God's calling on our lives. For, for Jesus' followers, what is it that God is calling us to be and to do? Last week, we read uh, a verse from Peter that says, We are chosen to declare God's praises. From Matthew 5, we are chosen to be a light for Jesus, to allow Jesus, the light of the world, to shine through us that others might see Jesus. From Matthew 28, to make disciples, to share the good news, to not just keep it to ourselves, but to share it. And from John 13, to love one another. These are beautiful callings (laughs) callings <laughs> on our life, and it impacts everything that we say and do. Today, I want to invite us to think a little bit more about these things and to reflect on, so, so through these, these things that we see that God is calling us to do, what is God calling me specifically Like individually in my context, in my situation, or or maybe us as a family, if you're in a family unit, what is God's invitation and call to us as a family or to me individually? And maybe as we think about that, we can think about the different places that we're in. Maybe like work and thinking about the people at work and the situations at work. How is God calling me in that situation specifically to be a light or to love or to declare God's praises, whatever it is in that situation? What does it look like at work or with that specific person? What does it look like in my family situation? With the relationships that I currently have in my family, however challenging or easy those relationships are? And when we say challenging family dynamics, basically we're just saying messy, (laughs) right? Because there's some messy situations in our families. Or maybe as we reflect on these, we can think about the gifts and talents that we've been given. The passions, things that I enjoy doing. Like how can I be a light while I'm doing those things? Or how can I love others while I'm doing those things? Or maybe it's material possessions, the things that I've been given. Like, how can I be a good steward of what I've been given? You know, I also like to think about the networks of people that I'm connected to. Different groups of people, be it interest or be it, you know, where you met those people. Like, how can I be a light in that group? How can I share and show Jesus' love in this group? Or maybe there's a group of people that God, for whatever reason, has laid a burden on my heart. Like, oh, I want to connect with those people. And so there's, there's these universal callings for Jesus' followers to declare God's praises, to be a light, to make disciples, to love one another, and God also has very individual, specific callings in our lives, what does that look like in the situation that you're in? Maybe we already know or have an idea of what God is calling us to, and we just need that extra courage to follow through. But if we're not sure, I wonder if we would dare ask that question today. God, what do you want me to do? What are, you, what are you calling me to be in the places and relationships I'm currently in? And we ask that question knowing that God is not shy about making big asks of us. Just like Moses, we also recognize that God is faithful and God will provide. Like Moses, we may have concerns, we may feel pretty inadequate hear something from the Lord and say, God, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure I'm willing to do that, God. I've never seen myself doing that or saying that. I don't know how. I don't have the resources. I don't have the platform, whatever it may be. Or, God, I'm just so tired. <laughs> I got so much going on. Or maybe it's more, God, I'm really, I've been hurt. And I'm a bit broken. I'm a bit broken. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can risk trusting you and following you where you are calling me to go. I believe that God hears our concerns and wants to hear our concerns. So I invite us to take them to God. And then I invite us to receive from God the words he spoke to Moses And here's what he spoke to Moses that I believe he's also speaking to us. I will be with you. I will help you speak. I will teach you what to do. And I will accomplish my will by my power, not by your power. So I want to leave us with these words from 1 Peter chapter 4. Verses 10 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one, speak, one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Friends, we are invited to be the faithful stewards of God's grace uh, in all its various forms, all the various gifts that God has given us. We are invited to use them for God's glory, and when we speak We get to speak the words of God. And when we serve, we get to serve with God's strength, with the strength that God provides. And we can be confident that God is faithful and God will indeed provide what we need. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you that you are a God of invitation. Lord, in, in so many ways, you don't need us to, to say or do things for you. And you could, you you are all powerful, almighty. You could do it all on your own, but that's not how you've chosen to operate. You have chosen to invite us on this journey with you of restoring this world. And so, Lord, we hear Your invitation. Thank you for wanting us to partner with you. Thank you for including us as a people in your story of restoration and healing. And so God, today I ask for, for us as, as individuals, but also as a body, as a community, Lord, That you would continue to clarify how it is you want us to be a light. How we are to declare your praises here in the Tri-Cities. Lord, how and where we get to share the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to take the next step. And give us the courage to trust you, knowing that you can do the impossible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.